Good evening, friends. Um, I'm blessed to be sitting on my back deck in the sunshine today and recording this evening prayer. So it doesn't feel really like evening, but this is a wonderful transition point for me between telecommuting this day at home and then transitioning into family time this evening. And of course, we've got a couple of online Wednesday services too. Um, if you would like, check out St. John's Grace Episcopal Church in Buffalo for the Wednesday night Lenten series, and this being the last Wednesday in Lent. And then St. Paul's Cathedral is doing Wednesday Compline services through the duration of COVID-19 countermeasures. I think that's probably the clearest way I can think of to say that, right? So those are online services. That's kind of one of the cool things about technology in this time is being able to participate in the services. I find myself a little bit overwhelmed with how many there are. Like I still get all of the online bulletins from all of my um, previous churches that I went to and I'm, I wish I could like attend them all <laughs> and you just can't, you can't do all of the things. So choosing how to keep even the good things at a manageable level is part of my survival technique in this season. But anyway, without further ado here, today is Wednesday. It is the um, 1st of April. In our readings for today, are Psalms 128, 129, and 130. We might read this morning our New Testament reading is 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 3, 6. And our gospel reading is from Mark 10, 1 through 16. Blessed are you, O God, the God of our forebears, creator of the changes of day and night, giving rest to the weary, renewing the strength of those who are spent, bestowing upon us occasions of song in the evening. As you have protected us in the day that is past, so be with us in the coming night. Keep us from every sin, every evil, and every fear, for you are our light and salvation and the strength of our life. To you be glory for endless ages. Amen. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Dear friends in Christ, here in the presence of Almighty God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins so that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, make speed to save us. O God, make haste to help us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Psalm 145, I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verses 145 through 176. So the last part of the psalm. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O God. I will keep your statutes. <clears throat> I cry to you, save me that I may observe your decrees. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I put my hope in your words. 
My eyes are awake before each watch of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. In your steadfast love, hear my voice. O God, in your justice, preserve my life. Those who persecute me with evil purpose draw near. They are far from your law, yet you are near, O God, and all your commandments are true. Long ago I learned from your decrees that you have established them forever. Look on my misery and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O God. Give me life according to your justice. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not swerve from your decrees. I look at the faithless with disgust, because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Preserve my life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances endures forever. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I I praise you for your righteous ordinances. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O God, and I fulfill your commandments. My soul keeps your decrees. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and decrees, for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O God. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. My lips will pour forth praise because you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your promise for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O God, and your law is my delight. Let me live that I may praise you and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek out your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Psalms 128, Psalm 128. Happy is everyone who fears God, who walks in God's ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be happy, and it shall go well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus shall the person be blessed who fears God. God bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Psalm 129. Often have they attacked me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Often have they attacked me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. God is righteous. God has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops that withers before it grows up, with which reapers do not fill their hands or binders of sheaves their arms, while those who pass by do not say, The blessing of God be upon you. We bless you in the name of God. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O God. God, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O God, should mark iniquities, God, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for God, my soul waits, and in God's word I hope. My soul waits for God more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in God, for with God there is steadfast love, and with God there is great power to redeem. It is God who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, 
one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 24. God said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Perform a wonder, then you shall say to Aaron, Take down your staff and throw it before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did as God had commanded. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and they became snakes, but Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as God had said. Then God said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand by at the river bank to meet him, and take in your hand the staff that was turned into a snake. Say to him, God, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you to say, Let my people go, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until, until now you have not listened. Thus says God, by this you shall know that I am God. See, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall be turned to blood. The fish in the river shall die, the river itself shall stink, and the Egyptians shall be unable to drink water from the Nile. God said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over its rivers, its canals, and its ponds, and all its pools of water so that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout the whole land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did just as God commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and of his officials, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the river, and all the water in the river was turned into blood, and the fish in the river died. The river stank so that the Egyptians could not drink its water, and there was blood throughout the whole land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them, as God had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. O God, and ruler of the hosts of heaven, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and of all their righteous offspring, you made the heavens and the earth with all their vast array. All things quake with fear at your presence. They tremble because of your power. But your merciful promise is beyond all measure. It surpasses all that our minds can fathom. O God, you are full of compassion, long-suffering and abounding in mercy. You hold back your hand. You do not punish as we deserve. In your great goodness, God, you have promised forgiveness to sinners, that they may repent of their sin and be saved. And now, O God, I bend the knee of my heart and make my appeal, sure of your gracious goodness. I have sinned, O God, I have sinned, and I know my wickedness only too well. Therefore, I make this prayer to you. Forgive me, God, forgive me. Do not let me perish in my sin, nor condemn me to the depths of the earth. For you, O God, are the God of those who repent, and in me you will show forth your goodness. Unworthy as I am, you will save me, in accordance with your great mercy, and I will praise you without ceasing all the days of my life. For all the powers of heaven sing your praises, and yours is the glory to ages of ages. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 through chapter 3 verse 6 But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to the one a fragrance from death to death to the other a fragrance from life to life 
Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not peddlers of God's word like so many, but in Christ we speak as persons of sincerity, as persons sent from God and standing in God's presence. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Surely we do not need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you, do we? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter of Christ, prepared by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of letter, but of spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Hear what the spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Blessed be God, the God of Israel who has come to their people and set them free. God has raised up for us a mighty savior, born of the house of God's servant, David. Through God's holy prophets, they promised of old that they would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. God promised to show mercy to our forebears and to remember God's holy covenant. This was the oath God swore to our forebear Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies free to worship God without fear, holy and righteous in their sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before God to prepare God's way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Praise to you, our ruler Christ. Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. He left that place and went on to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds again gathered around him, and as was his custom, he again taught them. Some Pharisees came, and to test him they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them, male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and become joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, gracious Christ. God, you now have set your servants free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of ours have seen the Savior whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people Israel. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
Let's affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. God be with you and also with you. Let us pray. Our creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Instead of the suffrages for evening prayer, let's use again the litany for healing found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2. Give me just a second, I'll get the page number for you. Let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers. I pray for all those affected by COVID-19, those sick with it, those carrying it, those treating it, those suffering under quarantine, under isolation, without services and routine. I pray for all of us, God, all of your creation Circle us, God. Circle the poor with your justice. Circle the violent with your peace. Circle the broken with your wholeness. Circle us, God. Circle us with the wonder of your love, with the beauty of your creating, with the glory of your presence. Circle us, God. One in three, three in one. Circle us with the joy of your abiding. That's the came prayer from Christine Sin or sign, pardon me. I would add to God, circle the angry with your peace. Circle the fearful with your love. Circle us, God. Heal us, redeem, and restore us. May there be restitution for everything the enemy has tried to steal and for healing for all of the wounds, be they of spirit, soul, or body, heart, mind, or will. Amen. God, the creator, your will for all people is health and salvation. We praise you and thank you, O God. God, the son, you came that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. We praise you and thank you, O God. God, the Holy Spirit, you make our bodies the temple of your presence. We praise you and thank you, O God. Holy Trinity, one God, in you we live and move and have our being. We praise you and thank you, O oh God. God, grant your healing grace to all who are sick, injured, or disabled, that they may be made whole. Hear us, O oh God of life. Grant to all who seek your guidance and to all who are lonely, anxious, or despondent a knowledge of your will and an awareness of your presence. Hear us, O oh God of life. Mend broken relationships and restore those in emotional distress to soundness of mind and serenity of spirit. Hear us, O God of life. Bless physicians, nurses, and all others who minister to the suffering, granting them wisdom and skill, sympathy and patience. Hear us, O God of life. Grant to the dying peace and a holy death and uphold by the grace and consolation of your Holy Spirit those who are bereaved. Hear us, O God of life. Restore to wholeness whatever is broken by human sin in our lives, in our nation, and in the world. 
Hear us, O God of life. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your power among the peoples. With you, O God, is the well of life, and in your light we see light. Hear us, O God of life. Heal us and make us whole. Let us pray. Almighty God, giver of life and health, send your blessing on all who are sick and upon those who minister to them, that all weakness may be vanquished by the triumph of the risen Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our God, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Most holy God, the source of all good desires, all right judgments, and all just works, Give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, so that our minds may be fixed on the doing of your will, and that we, being delivered from the fear of all enemies, may live in peace and quietness. Through the mercies of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Lord Jesus, stay with us. Be with us. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Keep watch, dear God, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, gracious Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen. All right, folks, a few thoughts on today's readings. I think what it's really all about is harmony and congruence, the interconnectedness of all God's creation. So let's talk about that a little bit, starting with our Psalms. This section of Psalm 119, and remember this is kind of like the conclusion, talks about crying out with the whole heart, God's justice prevailing, God's rescue. And I think that this section is particularly apropos for Lent and for the season that we're in globally. Um, because the psalmist cries out, but not in the angry, blaming way that some of the psalms do. Verse 153 says, Look on my misery and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. And I would say here too, and I think I said this last time we read this psalm together, let's remember that the greatest commandment, the overarching law, if you will, is the law of love. So let's not forget love. Love first and foremost. Foremost, And the psalmist talks about not swerving from, this, from God's decrees. Again, that being the greatest decree. The soul keeping them. And then give me understanding in verse 169. Let us understand our part as co-creators with God, right? Let your ordinances help me. For I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek me out, for I do not forget your commandments. And again, the greatest commandment being the commandment of love. And I know the psalmist did not have Jesus at that time, but all being inspired, all of Holy Scripture being inspired by the Holy Spirit, there was, through God's timelessness and all-encompassing knowledge, 
a foreshadowing, I think, of what was to come, of Christ coming. Then our series of um, three Psalms of Ascent, right? And Psalms of Ascent were, were times like of holy pilgrimage climbing up the temple steps. And we certainly feel like that on this pilgrimage of the Lenten time. And, and probably it's difficult knowing that Easter is not going to be what we anticipated when we started this Lenten season. So may we come into agreement with God that God's will be done. And may we have eyes to see the work that God is doing in the world, even through this terrible time of epidemic. And I might be, I might be pushing it there. And I, I don't want to rush past the sorrow and the grief and the agony of this time. I want to let us feel our feelings, but let's feel them communally. Let's feel them together. Harmonies aren't always joyous. Harmonies can be soul rending. They can be stirring and, and there can be a harmony of lament, I believe friends. So let us not suffer alone. Let us not let any of us suffer alone. Rushes in agreement with me there. <laughs> let us let us instead come together and bear with one another and share with one another and not try to rush past or remove this experience, but just to come alongside and experience it together. Verse 6 of Psalm 128 particularly struck me. May you see your children's children. Um, because I had just today been talking with my neighbor. You know, we were doing this yelling over the back deck to each other thing. And um, which are well over six feet apart, friend. They're probably like six yards apart. I don't know. Far apart. But anyway. Um, and she was talking about how hard it was to not be able to see her grandchildren. And I, I think that that is a tough thing for all of us, that it's, it's dissonant to love somebody so much that you're going to stay away from them, right? That's, that's just hard. So as Psalm 29 says, yet the attackers have not prevailed against us. God cuts the cords of the wicked. Out of the depths we cry to you, God, as Psalm 130 says. Out of whatever depth you find yourself, overwhelmedness, despair, depression, whatever it is, cry to God and God will rescue you. None of us are perfect. None of us have earned the love and grace and rescue of God, as it says in verse 3, if God marked iniquities, none of us could stand. But God is there for us, and, and may our souls wait on God with this beautiful anticipation, far more than any night watchman waits for the morning. And all that the morning meant in the days of the ancients when this was written, you know, safety and light, and some of us might just be so ready for the end of our shift. <laughs> I can certainly understand that. So may we hopefully anticipate God's rescue and healing and trust in God's almighty power. All right, our Old Test or our Hebrew scripture reading from Exodus. Um, I, you know, there's all this stuff with the snakes, right? Like the snake in the Garden of Eden and the serpent that the Hebrews looked at and were healed from the venom and now this turning things into snake and I think it's so interesting into snakes and I think it's so interesting that um, the magicians of Egypt are able to make the same thing happen but they're facades I guess are not as substantial they are literally eaten up by the one of Moses or Aaron I guess it was Aaron's staff right 
So I think that's interesting. And then I think it's also interesting that God says, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. That's the purpose for which they're being released. And so I would say that our purpose for being released should also be to worship God. Whether in the wilderness or anywhere else. Sorry, I got distracted by Rush there. And let's remember that even when... I don't want to say that's which is false because... I'm not quite sure that that's the right word, but that which is masquerading is God's work. Even when it seems like a really good facsimile, the true power is with God. And anything that we can conceive of is but a small piece of what the Almighty is capable of. Our reading from 2 Corinthians. I think really kind of spells it out. And I do think it's interesting too that it talks about Christ leading in triumphal procession, which is both a reminder of Palm Sunday, which is coming up. And then also related to one of our readings, I think maybe it was like a week ago, that God goes before us and God is also our rear guard. So God is all around us. God protects us on all sides and, and nothing, no part of us is without God's cover. No part of us is exposed. God shields all of us. And I know that that... That sounds inconceivable when there is so much hurt and suffering and sorrow in the world, especially right now. And we are all probably asking the question, how could God allow this to happen? But we can at least trust this, that God is there with us. And that... The life that Christ offers us is eternal. That Christ defeated even death itself. And I know that that's probably only a small comfort for those of us who have lost loved ones. But nevertheless, let it be a reminder that this life is only one part of the eternal journey. And it is not home really or our resting place or our final place however you want to put that and so we will come together in heaven united um, closer than anything we've experienced here on earth and then um, the passage from chapter 3 I just love this. You yourselves are a letter written on our hearts. We don't, so he's saying we don't need a recommendate letter of recommendation. We don't need proof. You are our proof. And I think that's so true. It's the love that we pass to others. That which we give others is, is what goes before and after us and makes our recommendation and our memorial. I'm sorry if that sounds morbid. I I don't mean to. And then lastly here, the reminder that all that we are comes from God. Our competence is from God, verse 6, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of letter but of spirit, for the letter kills but the spirit gives life. How true is that? And let it be a reminder to us that the legalism that we look to for security is in fact death. And it is that scary, all-encompassing, consuming grace and love. The love that is Christ, Christ's self, that is the fount of life, the wellspring. 
And finally, our gospel reading. So you guys have heard me talk before about this passage where the Pharisees are trying to trip him up, um, verses 4 through 12. I'm going to, and so you know, like I'll, I'll summarize super quickly. So you know how I feel about this. This was in context. Um, what was going on in the community was that men were divorcing their wives. And you'll see that it, here it says, write a, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal. And it was like for no reason. And, or could be for no reason. And then they cast off their wives and their wives were left destitute. And sometimes their children with them, with, with no means of support and um, really just treated like cast off property. And so definitely there is an aspect of, of Jesus saying that marriage and human beings who are based on the societal construct at the time in your care, not to be treated like that. So definitely there's that aspect of that. And that's one thing that I know I've talked on before. Also, I think here, um, it's interesting. My commentary points something out in verses 11 through 12 that I, I hadn't noticed before. And this is a direct quote here. Jesus introduces parity between men and women in a world that traditionally restricted men, restricted women's right to divorce. So the men were allowed to divorce the women, but the women weren't allowed to divorce the men. So just by introducing that as a possibility, Jesus is kind of turning the status quo on its head. So I thought that was interesting too. But even more interesting than that, I think is is what my commentary had to say about harmony, um, particularly that when you read these verses within the context of the rest of Mark, particularly within Mark um, 9.50, and that verse is, Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So verse 9 of 10 in the section that we're talking about, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. So according to my commentator here, this prohibition of divorce reflects the harmony commanded. So it's saying what what God has put together let that stay together, let that community, let that family, let that harmony remain in place. And I think there's a whole bunch to unpack here. Like one, all of our unions should be placed by God and and not other things. (laughs) Um, Whether it's, it's fear or, um, political reasons or, whatever else that that might be bringing any not just two people in a marriage but community together that God needs to be the source of all things and then that that relationship I think not just remain together but remain firmly rooted in God because there are definitely toxic relationships and too often passages like this one and including this one are interpreted in a way that is meant to keep women in harmful, abusive, and toxic relationships. And that's not what Christ was going after here. He was going after every relationship being in harmony with the creator and remaining in harmony with the creator, if that makes sense. And forgive me if I'm kind of not speaking very clearly on that one. It's been a long day and this recording has ended up going over several hours. I've had to pause and come back to it and pause and come back to it. So forgive me for that. But I hope that that's at least a little bit to spark like some digging or thinking or praying or discerning on all of our parts. And then too, I think it's really interesting that that the next section comes directly after this. I think that it's that way for a reason. And what I mean by the next section is the rest of our reading. So verse 13 and 13 through 16, where people were bringing the little children and the disciples were were, um, speaking sternly. And Jesus said, 
And I, I would I would go so far as to say probably sternly and dismissively, right? And but Jesus is like, oh no, you're getting it all wrong. These are the very ones that that should be here, that should be with me, because to them the kingdom of God belongs, and you must have faith like these to enter the kingdom of God. And so I think the transition from the attempted legal trickery of the Pharisees in the previous passage to the open and transparent and vulnerable faith of children, I think that is juxtaposed right next to to the former passage for an absolute reason. I think that, um, that children understand... love, even if they can't verbally express it, far better um, than, than can be prescribed in any law or custom or anything like that. It is, it is that simple and open closeness. Closeness isn't the word I'm looking for. It's the way that children come and are completely authentically themselves with God and for God and participate fully in the love of God. Loving and being loved by God in in a way that is completely harmonious, if we want to go back to that word, and in sync, or as the Celts would say, like in, in the rhythm of the universe, like it is that flow. It's, it's, not, it's not formulaic. It's not, doesn't have any ulterior motive. The way that children participate in love is the way that we should participate in God's love, in God's community, and that should be the source and reflection of all our relationships or reflection onto you. So that kind of backwards, but you guys know what I mean. Hopefully at least I, I'm still not, not sure exactly why this is part of our Lenten readings, other than that we are just kind of following Jesus last steps. And so sequentially this kind of belongs there. Um, it does speak to me in that, especially, you know, coming on the heels of our New Testament reading, which talked about law and spirit. Jesus is the spirit, right? Um, and I don't mean that like Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are, are part of the, the Trinity. But when we talk about um, the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law, um, the law is love and Jesus is the embodiment of that love. Jesus is the word made flesh. And here we see that in, in two examples. We see the Pharisees with their legality, the letter of the law. Or the, we could even say like the letter of the, of the commandments but it, it wasn't. Um, no, I think letter of the law is best and most descriptive, although we've kind of twisted that phrase or subsumed it into our modern culture in a way that's not intensely helpful. But anyway, and then, and then you have it against the childlike, undiluted, unblocked, freely flowing love. that is and is represented by and embodied in Christ. And I think as we, in this difficult season of Lent and epidemic, try to fight our way through figuring things out, maybe we can step back for a moment. Or not even back, but step in. Step into our inmost selves. The selves that haven't 
like the purest form of us within our soul, our authentic self within our soul. Turn inward and come to know again ourselves as God made us and God as the divine dwells within us and within all creation and is both the creator and also deeply connected um, to creation. God is not far from us. God is not removed from us. God is in and with and among us. And I think I've waxed on long enough about that, so forgive me. Thank you for being with me tonight, my friends. I hope that I hope that in this time, time of difficulty, God is working in you, that, that the hardship and, and the grief and the heartbreak and the pain are awakening within you a deep compassion for all of God's hurting, wounded, needy children. And that you are both finding in the wellspring of yourself and the divine with and within you what you desperately need in this time. And also discovering how you can be love to others. And that, of course, is my prayer for myself off, myself off also. So I circle all of us with the love of Christ that we may find peace and companionship and fulfillment and comfort and wisdom and all of those things that we need. Most of all, desperate desperate need for healing. May we find that all within the circle of God's embrace. And may God's light so flood through us that it washes, washes clean any obstacles that come between us and the complete dwelling in God. And we, may, we be brave, may we be brave enough to face all of our fears with God and go down deep, deep beneath, beneath the surface to an understanding, a deep understanding of ourselves and God's love for us. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in Christ's name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.